0: You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are, at this moment, standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. So a
1: lot of what I do is encouraging people to just start, to just write. I have a Write More Challenge, and it's not about. Um, you can get that at writemorechallenge.com, and it's it's not about getting you to write well. It's about spending ten minutes a day for ten days, getting your practice.
0: Hey, Parshall here, and I hope you are ready for this episode. I'm joined by the amazing Lauren Marie Fleming, who's a writer and coach who helps people discover their story and tell it to the world. Her company is School for Writers, and they help aspiring authors write their books in a way that harnesses the transformational power of storytelling that honors their creativity and humanity. In her 20 years as a professional writer, she's written multiple books, been featured in prominent publications including Vice and the Huffington Post, and spoken at prestigious conferences and colleges including Yale and Blog Her. For over three decades, Lauren has coached writers and speakers to tell heartfelt tales in the most impactful and entertaining way possible. She's also worked with some of the world's most distinguished presenters and authors, including two years directly supporting Tony Robbins. And when she's not writing, coaching, or traveling the world, Lauren can be found walking her dog on the beach in San Diego, where I live too, and listening to a good audiobook. Let's jump onto this episode. We talk so much about really the stories that need to be told in the world today, uh, including your own. So let's dive right in. You're going to like this one a lot. You're going to enjoy this one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Author's Leverage. I'm so, so happy to be with the amazing one and only Lauren Fleming. Thanks for being here, Lauren.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I love what you do.
0: Oh, I love what you do, too. And for those who can check the video, you have to see Lauren's glasses. She's always like popping with the color, like the headset, the glasses, the whole vibe I have here. I got this like, is... shoulder
1: pad thing <laughs> happening, too. I had these cool earrings, but they were making too much noise.
0: She's rocking it. I love it. That's, that's San Diego for you. This flair yeah. and style and comfort. I love it. So as we get started, I already introduced you before getting into the conversation now. So we'd love for you to share a fun fact about yourself that people probably wouldn't know or find surprising about you.
1: Oh, see, that's the problem with being someone who's spent decades on the internet writing about their life is there are very few facts that a simple Google wouldn't mm. would give you. But um, something I haven't talked about in a while is I used to work as a nude model. I used to work as a nude model when I lived in San Francisco. I and I um, did faces for a part of that job was faces for Pixar's cars. So they would have me do different faces when they were trying to draw the cars to humanize them.
0: Really? Yeah, that is cool. such a neat fact. I, Yeah, that's very definitely surprising. So what uh, what did you discover about yourself in in doing that and stepping into that role? Or was it supernatural? And you just fit right in.
1: Oh, no, it was anything but supernatural. I mean, okay. it was natural. It was your body. But I, um, I had lived in Italy. I was living in Italy studying Italian film for my undergrad degree. And I had these friends that were to be able to get into the advanced art classes in Italy. You had to perfect the human form. So they were always looking for models. But the people mm. who were always willing to model for them were these like super skinny, you know, model types that you think of when you think of a fashion model. The problem is it's actually really hard to draw the straighter lines of super thin people. And so they were always asking me like, come on Lauren, you're a curvy girl, like let us draw you. And so I did, and it completely changed the way I thought about my body. Suddenly I was art. I wasn't this thing that needed to shrink. I wasn't this thing that needed to be like covered up and that was disgusting and gross the way that we talk about fat bodies in our culture. And so when I moved back to San Francisco, I was like, I need that hit again, that hit of self-worth again. And so I um, auditioned for and got into the Bay Area Models Guild, which was a guild of models, of professional models that could go out to artists throughout the Bay Area. And so I would be in classes at UC Berkeley. I uh, Professional photographers and artists would hire me out. I would go to Pixar. I would go all these different places and um, games and video game people and people doing various different drawings. So I would go to figure drawing classes. I would go to uh, Pixar animators and I would go to to Mm. individual artists and I would pose for them. And it was life changing to see me reflected back by other people as this beautiful art. And I was actually in high demand because there were very few plus size younger women that were willing to do this. And so I booked out Forever. And so that was the beginning of my self-love journey of retelling a different story about my body. Suddenly it wasn't this thing that was like nasty or gross, like I'd been told my whole life, something that needed to shrink. Suddenly I was this in demand piece of art. And that flipped that story for me in a really profound and beautiful way.
0: Oh my gosh. Like I, all I heard in what you just said was how much art and artistic creativity you were around like all the time. And then being in the center of that, I mean, that experience has to be like, that's unforgettable for one. And I can also see how it ties into even what you said, like being able to tell a different story and seeing how, how your story reflects in other people. I mean, that is so connected. I love that.
1: Yeah. It really helped me start to understand artists too like what it means to be an artist a full-time artist what it means to be engulfed in art and what it means to create art and a lot of the 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 classes I would go to would have me just do quick poses and just get it out and it would be bad it would be horrible but they would just practice and that actually was the beginning of me understanding that journaling just like quick writing was Mm. such an important part of me as a writer to do these things that were never going to go out in public that was just practice of my art practice of understanding shape and structure of my body, watching them do it, helped me go home and then do that in my writing. Quick little jaunts of stories, quick little journaling, and how that, you know, that first draft is always complete and total crap. And mm-hmm. their first drafts were always crap. And then by the end of the session, they would have this beautiful artwork. Or not, yeah. or it would be basic, They but they showed up and did the thing. And it helped me understand how showing up and doing the thing is so important if you ever want to actually master your art.
0: Wow. That's incredible now how how did your writing how did it change after that experience and you know going forward like how 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 did that shape your writing going forward from there? yeah, so i
1: there were a lot of things that kind of happened at once when I came back from living in Italy, and I had my first girlfriend, so I was out and I was queer. I was modeling for classes. I started dancing burlesque. I started. Um, I had a massage, I went and got my massage degree after film school and was like massaging people. So there was a lot around body image and queerness and sensuality and sexuality that I, that actually really framed a lot of my early life as a writer. So I spent hmm, a good decade as a sex and sexuality and writer. I even went to law school and I did my law degree on queer porn. So like I wrote about sex and sexuality for a really long time. And then I wrote about body image. My first published book was Body Love, 10 Steps to Profoundly Loving Your Body. But even before that, I was a sex blogger for Vice Magazine, for Curve Magazine, for Huffington Post. I was writing about sex. I was speaking at Yale and Brown about sex and sexuality. And I don't think I ever would have gotten comfortable having those conversations publicly literally talking about pornography at Yale mm. I wouldn't have ever gotten there if I hadn't had to stand bare butt naked in front of a group of 18 year olds giggling
0: <laughs> you know oh at, my at god Berkeley.
1: like their first week at summer out of college at summer school in Berkeley and they like I drop trow and I'm naked in front of them they have to draw me and they're giggling like that talk about insecurities right and this those are the same people who would have made fun of me just years earlier and so I think that understanding self-exposure helped me as a writer when I got farther into my career.
0: Wow. Wow. And I just, (laughs) that visual of all these teenagers like in that setting. Yeah, it does. It's, you're putting yourself out there. It's like probably even more vulnerable, or maybe the same type of vulnerability that goes into writing and you know, sharing your stories. Um, but, but I think too, like the, the nature of your experiences in those cases are not ones that are heard of. And I know before we started recording, you know, the, what you're really passionate about is telling the stories that are not being told and the importance of telling your story. Can you share a little bit about, you know, your perspective on, on, on that and how, uh, how important it is that we share those stories?
1: Yeah. See, here's the thing. There are a bunch of old white guys in New York city who get to decide who gets published. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of that because what that means is stories like mine, stories like yours, stories like my friends aren't being told. And if they are being told, you know, I have a particularly really, you know, trigger spot in me for, queer stories that become really popular that are written by straight people. And that's a thing. So like so much of queer YA for a long time was written by straight people. Even gay YA still right now is written a lot by straight women, straight Mm. white women specifically. And, you know, stories about marginalized people are often told, not able to be told by the marginalized people themselves. And I think Mm. that it's time we really consciously amplify own voices. Now, own voices is a hashtag started by somebody whose name I can't remember right now. Um, Shout out to her. I'm so sorry. I can't remember your name right now. If you Google it, you can find it. But it's this idea that we should be reading books that are written by the people who experience what the people in the books are. Now, I'm not saying that me as like a queer white, you know, I have so many intersexuality, intersectionalities. I have intersexualities too, I'm sure. intersectionalities. of privilege and oppression right like everybody does but especially as a white woman I have that and I think that that doesn't mean that all my characters have to be white but what it does mean is that if I'm making a main character I want them to try to be more like me and if I'm reading characters I want to read people who are writing about their own experiences even in fiction like it doesn't have to be their actual life but it's their lived experience gives to that story. And so, you know, I don't have a problem with the big push of diversity that's happening in in writing right now, but I do have a problem when we see people from those historically marginalized communities unable to get book deals, but people who aren't from that community writing about that community can get book deals. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I do now is really helping people understand why they feel like they can't tell their story and how to find their voice again and get that story out into the world. So, so many of the people I work with come from historically marginalized communities that have been historically silenced. And my goal is to help amplify their voice, help them find it again and get it out into the world.
0: Wow. That's incredible. And how, what is it like to work with you? I They're mean like I like to think super it's duper hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I
1: like to think we laugh a lot. Um I cuss a lot. I am a caller okay. basically. And one of the things I cuss a lot about is I really encourage people to write crap, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. I think we need to start with shit. I think we need to start with a like a giant pile of shit and then sort through it and see like what the hell is even in here. So mm. a lot of what I do is encouraging people to just start. To just write, I have a Write More Challenge. And it's not about, um, you can get that at writemorechallenge.com. And it's it's not about getting you to write well. It's about spending 10 minutes a day for 10 days getting your practice, like creating physical and mental space in your life for writing. So I start with that. I always start with that. I start with why, why the hell do you want to write anyways? Why do you want to tell the story anyways? What's the point? And what's underneath that? Yeah. Like my why is almost always, I want to talk to Oprah. <laughs> you know, I want to be a New York Times bestseller <laughs> and I want to be at Oprah. Right. But like, what's underneath that? What is real? Why do I want to be on Oprah? Why Oprah? Why the New York Times bestseller? Why writing? Why not talk to Oprah about something else? So really understanding your why. And then Um, After that, there's kind of a different ways most people can go and work with me, but mostly I'm here to help people write books. And while I love, you know, I have an undergrad in film, I have a film degree undergrad in screenwriting specifically, and I have, um, I love plays and I love movies and I love TV, but I really think there's something life changing and profound that happens when you write a book. And so I specialize in helping people. I have a program called Write Your Friggin Book Already. <laughs> and it's exactly what it, it says. It's like, write your friggin book already. Like, you don't have to publish it. You don't have to put it out there. Let's not worry about selling it yet. That's what we call <laughs> I mean to, to a whole uh, A whole course. But let's really talk about, like, let's write it. Let's get it out. Let's get it out of you, get it out there in the world and finding your voice. And I have people who come back again and again in my program and write new books and new books because Mm. at the base of it all, it's just, it's how do we do this in a way that honors our creativity and our humanity and the things that come up for us when we write a book. And so I think books are powerful. I think they're life changing and I'm just an avid reader. So I just want better books out there. And so I'm excited about helping people get their story told specifically so I can read it because I'm selfish like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think sometimes I like to teach the courses because I want to learn too. Like at right? the end of the day, like it's, it's, a, it's a, a win-win, that's for sure. But yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Like it's so powerful to, to share those stories and to actually use your voice and to, you know, even you said kind of putting off all the other things that need to happen, like you still start at, you got to write it. <laughs> it's got to come out of you. And that's what you help people do. Wow, that's, that's incredible. So where, um, where can people find more inspiration to write? Like you mentioned, uh, like that 10 days, uh, well, 10 minutes and 10 days, like, where do you help them to get started with? Is it just like anything that you want to talk about? You just get it out? Or do you give specific prompts? Like, how do you, how do you navigate people through, let's say, just that simple challenge?
1: Yeah, so the 10 days and 10 day challenge is my write more challenge. And it helps you really understand the physicality that comes with creativity. So we live in a world that is capitalistic and tells you that if you're not being productive, aka making money, usually for somebody else, then you are being, you know, a a burden on society, that you are wasting your time, you're wasting all of our time, all of our resources. So for me, I think that the first step most people need to make before they even think about writing a book is they need to allow space in their life for writing. So a lot of that challenge is literally clear some space out of your life like get rid of some shit put it away stop having clutter everywhere clear out just like uh you know an eight by ten so you could put a little notebook there space in your life and keep it sacred for writing and then clear out some space in your calendar for writing and I think that people try to start with okay I'm gonna sit down for like 12 hours on Sunday and finish this book. No, uh-huh. you start with 10 minutes. Give yourself 10 minutes of journaling and that's it. And I tell people to get up and leave after that 10 minutes. Don't let yourself continue because what you want to do is you want to train your brain into knowing that 10 minutes is enough. That 30 minutes is enough. And then eventually an hour is enough. And you just slowly build up to that. Because if you start with a big chunk of time, it's like running, right? You're not going to go out and run for an hour. I can't even go out and run for like a minute. (laughs) You know, you got to start, you got to ease into that Mm -hmm. thing. And so I think that's important. But I think even more than that, even before all of that, even before you think you want to be a writer, like y'all have already started your readers, your consumers of stories every single day. So I tell people, listen, you've already started. Like you, Mm. if you are coming to me, you're like, hey, how do I start writing a book? I'm like, you already have. And that's what I call the gathering period where you're living your life and letting inspiration come to you. And so I think that we underestimate that the importance of that Pause or that moment that happens before we're actually writing the book, that period where you are finding inspiration throughout your life, wherever you're doing. And I actually build those pauses, I build month long pauses into all of my programs because I think it's important for us to continue to take those pauses away from our creativity to fill that bucket to go back. So when people are asking me, how do I even get started writing a book? I tell them, you start with 10 minutes a day. You start with creating a physical space in your life to write in because you can't really write if you don't have a space to like a literal space to write. And you start with understanding that you've already started and that you're gathering ideas. And I just keep a notebook and I jot them down. I keep a notes app in my phone and I jot them down as ideas come to me. I'm constantly keeping track of them and saying, hey, thanks, universe, whatever's out there for sending me that inspiration. I got it right here if I need it.
0: I love that. Especially like, especially like you saying, making the time in your life to start with, right? Making that time, making that space that's there. How do you, how do you advise that? I mean, does it matter if they're writing fiction or nonfiction? How can stories and being able to write in that way and practice it also help those that are nonfiction writers or fiction writers?
1: Yeah. So I have my write your friggin book already program that has both fiction and nonfiction in it and memoir and creative nonfiction, which is kind of like a weird combo of the two, right? There's prescriptive nonfiction, which is a mm. lot of what you work with. I'm sure that's like, here's how you do it. And here's the 10 step program. Then there is creative nonfiction. That's memoir that reads more like fiction. And then there's fiction and there's so many different genres within fiction. And I like to throw us all in together because okay. I think that, that fiction really needs the support of nonfiction structure and nonfiction really needs the support of fiction story. And Mm. so when we have fiction and nonfiction together, talking about their books together, workshopping their books together, understanding story and structure together, we actually support each other and make each other's books better. So I like to throw us all in Mm. the mix together because I don't think we're actually as different as we like to think we are. I think the stories the nonfiction I enjoy reading start with stories, right? You're always taught when you're selling in these classes, like hook, story, close, hook, story, close, hook, story, close. You can't do anything in nonfiction without story and you can't do anything in fiction. you don't have structure mm-hmm. if you don't understand this happens and this happens and this happens that's plot right so you need both together to support each other so i write both fiction and nonfiction on purpose and i try to attract into my programs both fiction and nonfiction on purpose
0: gotcha i love that because like you're saying from either side there's something you can take from either the structure or the creativity that goes into the storytelling that's such a neat perspective because I really, I think they also work better as well when they're together, when you can learn something and kind of feel like you're watching a movie play out also with it or something. It's, uh, it's powerful to see those come together. Now, I know a lot of people too, when it comes to writing their stories or infusing their stories into their content, I know that for many of them, they're concerned to do that. They're um, sometimes not thinking that their story is good enough. Right. How do you speak to that and, and how the power of story can help transform their work?
1: Yeah, I think about how everything we are is a story, right? Like I have the story of living in San Diego and, he, you know, you you earlier were like, look at your style. It's so San Diego. That's a story we have about San Diego. Um, I had a story in my head about what living in San Diego would be like when I moved mm. here. Um, White supremacy is a story. (laughs) Capitalism is a story. Homophobia is a story. The Bible is a story. All religious texts are stories. All cultural stories. The United States, the, the American dream is a story everything we do is a story. How I relate to my mother is a story. How I relate to my sister is a story. My brother dying is a story. Everything in our lives is based around the stories we tell ourselves. And so when you're hesitant to tell your, tell your story, you are actually keeping people from being able to connect with you. We The only way we've had to connect to learn for millennia as human beings was story it is literally in our dna Mm -hmm. our stories have been they i mean epigenetics talks about the way stories become imprinted in our dna in your body yes. yes wild so by you not wanting to tell your story you are actually shutting off a part of your humanity and your ability to connect with the humanity and others. People need stories. We don't, you know, we wanna give them step-by-step instructions on what to do, but the thing that actually changes their life is the stories, is mm-hmm. not your prescription to success that you give them. It's the story you tell about people who implemented that prescription to success that inspires mm-hmm. them to go it, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be your story, but it does need to be a story. It needs to be story. You need to connect people with the humanity in what they're learning so they can get there. Whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, like really understanding that there is no us without story. And if you take story out, you take us out of your, and then all it is is just like a pamphlet and homework.
0: Yeah, who wants that? <laughs> right, I don't want homework. That's so true. I mean, the story is is really everything and you know, and and my I believe too. It's like that story is so powerful and even as powerful as how you tell that story. Right? How you actually structure it and I think that's where those who have lots of practice, you know, it's something that they commit to, they're able to tell stories better. And You know, when it comes to authors writing their books, I mean, you want your book to be good. You want people to be on the edge of their seat. You want them to be excitement there. You want them to finish your book. You want them to take action. And I think that how we tell the stories are just as impactful as actually making sure that they're in there. So, can you speak a little bit to the elements that come together to make that story that makes the book uh, that much more better? You know, putting that cherry on top with like, Another splash of just even how to tell the story. Like, that's to me is everything, is like also how to tell the story.
1: Yeah, I think it's so great to study the classics and the yeah. way stories are structured so we want to think of ourselves as these really amazing progressive we just came up with a whole new plot line that no one's ever come up with before or we worry and silence ourselves because we feel like what we have to say has been said before Mm -hmm. and the reality is I think there's something I, I don't I always get the number wrong but I think it's something like 29 plot lines in the history of all cultures that have ever been told 29 stories that have like it could all come down to these 29 same stories in the history really? of humanity across cultures. So it's like you know a love story, enemies versus you know there's the, those oh, tropes yeah. that we now think of as tropes but it all can come down to one of like 29 different hmm. stories and and I think that I try to remember that when I'm trying to make my story better. I don't want to invent anything new. What I want to do is understand the structures that have already been placed by Socrates, (laughs) Plato, you know, by the Odyssey generations ago for me, the hero's journey, the heroine's journey, the plot structure, and really understand why human beings need the rise and fall of action, why human beings need a climax, why we are, how we build, how we have those stepping stools. And so when I'm trying to make my writing better, I study plot. I go and read books on plot. I actually have a, um, a little mini course for people on plotting at schoolforwriters.com where I break down the various different five mainstream plots that we see in mainstream from the bestseller. You know, if you actually plot The Da Vinci Code and Fifty Shades of Grey, they are the exact same book. In the ups, rise and falls, the, everything—they're the exact same book. What? If you're just looking at the rise and falling action, so you can actually plot a bestseller. In fact, there's a book called "The Bestsellers Code" that has a has. The people have created a machine that will plot your bestseller. I haven't paid for their machine use, but the book is definitely worth reading because mm. it makes you understand the psychology behind humans and how we want to page turners, right? This idea of a page turner. That is why we think of romance as formulaic, of mystery as formulaic, as thrillers as formulaic, because the formula works. Mm. So when people are trying to be better writers, oftentimes they'll go off and read this like flowery prose over here that, you know, maybe won a pen award or a Pulitzer, but only like 20 people read it. Whereas I say, go read Da Vinci Code, go read Fifty Shades of Grey, go read you know, Danielle Steele, understand Michener, understand these people who've sold millions of copies of their books and why people can't put them down, why they're page turners, why you can't stop yourself from reading because that structure is so much more important to getting your audience hooked than the flowery, big giant words that you looked up on Mm thesaurus.com. So Mm -hmm. when you're struggling you feel like you want your work to be better, I say actually go to the core and make sure that your plot is strong. And from there, you can build on top of it. But you need that backbone first.
0: I love that. I love that. That is really powerful, too. Thank you for sharing that. I learned quite a bit. I started taking notes. (laughs) Like That's incredible. Um, Just like you said, everything is formulaic, right? It follows a pattern that Like nothing new is under the sun, right? This stuff has been in existence. It works. And it makes me think that each of our stories, like just in a regular day, right, you can take the elements of that day and somehow create a story and something that's formulaic to actually tell it, right? Instead of just saying, oh, I woke up and then I did this and then I did that. It was like, there's another way to put it in that context is what I'm hearing that will make it a page turner or make it something that people want to keep listening to
1: yeah, think about that that story you just said. I woke up. Mm-hmm. I got ready. I went to work.
0: Mm-hmm. I came
1: back from work. I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a story. I woke up. I put on this really cute outfit. I did my makeup and I did my hair. I went to brush my teeth, and my toothbrush exploded and changed the whole thing. So I had to put on sweats. I get to work and actually turns out my boss is there after all. And he's like, "Why are you wearing sweats? And, you know, <laughs> that's different. So you have the normal day disrupted. By something abnormal then disrupted again by some that abnormal thing affected the next thing and the next thing and the next mm. thing and then all of a sudden you're like up down up down up down and you have a story you wow. have an exciting story versus just like a recounting of shit that happened
0: and yeah day. right that's incredible i it reminds you're me enough.
1: of I this on here sorry
0: oh it's okay <laughs> i i um I it reminds me of this game that my friends and I would play in college, and we would each have a sheet of paper, and we would write one line, like just a sentence, and then uh, like essentially fold the paper down so that way when you pass it to the next person, they can only see the line before, and then we would just go and just like take turns and do like ten to twelve lines, and then after we had done that we would read the full story and it was always like just bizarre but it just name. yeah it was a lot of fun that really I guess in a way it was like I didn't think of it like storytelling but it would be like you only saw the line before which would be like and then the car broke down and I didn't know what to do and then you have to write the next line after that and you can't see anything else above it it was so much fun that's so, so cool fun. you
1: know it makes me want to play that with other writers and see what yeah I've read some really beautiful compilations where it's the equivalent of that, but each chapter, like they have this general idea, but each person writes the next chapter and there's a really great, I wish I could remember it. There's a really great YA novel about Christmas time where it has John Green and a bunch of other famous YA novelists and they each took a chapter. So they had the general idea, but one person wrote the chapter, then sent it to the next person who wrote the next chapter, then it was the next chapter, and wrote the next chapter. So they just built on each other. And it was a really cool way. And they each had a different character's point of view of the same event. It was a really cool way of experimenting with language. And you can experiment in that way. Like don't reinvent plot, reinvent the way that you write that plot with your friends, right? You don't mm. want to try to reinvent everything about writing because you literally can't. And that actually is really freeing to me to know that I don't have to be different. I just have to put my differences onto existing structures.
0: Yes. And to me, that's what creativity is in a sense. It's like you do get a blank canvas, but the canvas is only but so big, right? You have the container Mm -hmm. in which to fill it with whatever you want. Like I, that's, I love that. And that's why I think I love formulas and processes and just those buckets in place that you can just put pour yourself into fully to fill that space.
1: I really love what you just said about the canvas. You're right. Like that's such a great metaphor for writing too. We try to write everything, but we don't have it. We just have this one little canvas. So just stick to your canvas. So I love that metaphor. I'm going to steal it and give you credit for
0: it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well I'm so thankful I want to be sensitive to time. I could talk to you for much longer than this. Um, but let's, let's just wrap up. I uh, would love to get your closing thoughts on sort of uh, what you feel like authors who are listening really need to know from you that uh, is going to help push them to the next level.
1: I think that there's kind of three things I always want people to take away from a conversation with me professionally, at least. One is that your story matters now more than ever. We are in unprecedented times, and yet we've been in trauma like this as a as a world before, but we are in times where stories are are able to be, to have exposure in a way they haven't before. And a lot of people think that they are just shouting into the void, but what actually happens is we need those stories now more than ever. We really do need to hear from people, especially people who are from historically silenced communities. So your story matters now more than ever. Two, yes, you can write a book. You can absolutely do it and it's easy. And if you want me to show you how I can in my write your friggin' book already program, or there are hundreds of other people out there who can show you how, but writing your book and getting out into the world is actually a gift to yourself, a gift to the people in your life and a gift to your community. So yes, you can and should write a book and three, you absolutely shouldn't do it alone. There, you are 92% more likely to finish a project if you have someone holding you accountable and having fun with you along the way. I think that we think of writing as something that we do solitarily, but I think that we actually are in community. And so you aren't alone. And whether you come join one of my programs and my groups, or whether you find your writing group around your friends, or whether you simply listen to my School for Writers podcast or podcasts like The Author's Leverage and feel less alone, trying to do it on your own doesn't work. So you need to find a community because we don't live alone as humans and we don't live alone as storytellers. So yeah, the world needs your story now more than ever. Yes, you can write a book and no, you can't do it alone. So find your squad.
0: That is, I wish I had sound effects right now. That would, I would have like fireworks and like clapping and cheering <laughs> after that. That was so, yeah.
1: just me being was, fireworks.
0: I know, right? <laughs> that was so good. Thank you so much for, being here today, Lauren. And I'm going to, oh, before I let you go, one quick question I've been asking my guest is when you hear the the phrase, the author's leverage, what comes to mind for you? Or what does that mean I'm to you? A,
1: I'm a huge advocate of understanding the way we can leverage the world around our books to getting our books out. So when I think of the author's leverage, I think of the way in which a book is just the beginning a way, the Your book is your way to leverage into building a whole coaching business. Your book is your way to leverage into your courses that you might create around it. Your book is your way to get on TV and get interviewed about a subject that you love. So you're, we, we often think of just the book as the end goal, but it's actually just the beginning. So when I think of the author's leverage, I think of the way in which we can leverage story to build a career in life that we love.
0: Thank you. That is so awesome. Excellent, excellent. And for those that are listening, be sure, please connect with Lauren and what she's doing. Check out her podcast, The School for Writers, and uh, your other programs as well. We'll have everything linked in the show notes on the episode so that you guys can check that out. But, Lauren, thank you so much for being with me. It's always good to talk to you and connect. We always end up laughing and joking at some point. But yeah. I love it. And I'm so glad you were here.
1: It's been so great to come on. And anyone listening, I am an open book. So slide into my DMs. Come say hi. I'm at Lauren Marie Fleming and at School for Writers on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I mostly live on Instagram. And I would love to say hi. So slide into my DMs. Say hello. And let's chat. And let me be a part of your writing community. Let me cheer you on.
0: Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you you again for having me on. Yes, absolutely. So thank you all for listening. This has been The Author's Leverage. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Authors Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. To check out more resources, visit theauthorsleverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.